don't you praise the Lord a little longer if you feel that way this morning? Come on, you serve a good God, amen? You serve a great God, amen? I don't know if I have an audience that believes that this morning. I feel like I got a couple of you do. Why don't you for a moment praise him like he's been good? Worship him like he's been good. It's not about what you feel like. It's not about what it looks like, but it's simply about who he is. You are good, Jesus. Yes. Shabbat Thank you, Jesus. One more time, could we offer up a shout of praise unto Jesus? Hallelujah! Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Praise God. Praise God. Is anybody excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Praise God. I am not Pastor Wright, if you are a guest and wondering. Uh, he is out of town. He is in England ministering. Um, I am Jalen Mock. I am the youth pastor here. Um, and uh, he asked me if I would speak this morning, and I did feel a word, so I'm excited to have this opportunity. I will not be long this morning, but I do believe I have a word for each and every person in this place, whether you're young, whether you're old, whether you're new to this faith, whether you're, you've been here before, whether you've been here multiple times, I believe that God is going to do a work here in each and every life this morning, and I'm excited to be a part of that. Uh, if you don't mind opening your Bibles to Genesis chapter 39 and get right into it, I do want to give honor to my pastor. Without him, I would not be here today. Uh, my bishop, this awesome leadership of this church, that's, that's appropriate. They're not here, but it's still appropriate. You don't just give honor when they're there to see you give honor. You give honor because it's the right thing to do. And they are amazing leaders, and I'm thankful to have them in my life. Also, my wife is not here with me this morning. She's at home sick, so we wouldn't mind lifting her up in prayer. Um, so I'm sure she's watching online. Uh, but Genesis uh, chapter 39, starting at verse 17, we're picking up in the middle of the story of Joseph. And I'll explain more of uh, the story of Joseph in a little bit. But for right now, just to give you context, uh, he was a young man that was favored by his father, hated by his brothers. And he, uh, the brothers hated him so much they sold him into slavery and faked his death with his family so they didn't have to see him or hear from him ever again. And so he finds himself, Joseph finds himself in Egypt sold into slavery, and he's working for a man by the name of Potiphar. And it's here where we pick up the story because Potiphar's wife wanted to have a relationship with Joseph that wasn't appropriate, and you can fill in the blanks. Uh, and uh, he, being a man of God, said, no, I'm not doing this, and having honor, he said, I'm not doing this, this isn't right. And that's where we pick up the story. And she, Potiphar's wife, spake unto him, verse 17, Speaking to him according to these words, saying, The Hebrew servant which thou hast brought unto us, she's talking to her husband Potiphar, come in unto me to mock me. And it came to pass, as I lifted up my voice and cried, that he left his garment with me and fled out. And it came to pass, when his master heard the words of his wife, which she spake unto him, saying, After this manner did thy servant to me, that his wrath was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in prison. Skipping over a couple chapters to a different part of Joseph's story. Excuse me, Genesis chapter 41. 
verse 41, it picks up, Joseph's been in prison because of this crime he did not commit. And long story short, he's brought before Pharaoh. And I'll explain more in a few moments as to how that happened. He's brought before Pharaoh, and here's what Pharaoh has to say to him after Joseph interprets a dream for Pharaoh. Verse 41 says, And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand and put it upon Joseph's hand and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. And he made him to ride in the second chariot which he had. And they cried before him, Bow the knee. And he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. For just a few moments this morning, I don't believe I'll be long. I want to preach you on when prisons become platforms. When prisons become platforms. If you don't mind, why don't you close your eyes and raise your hands and begin to offer up something up to the Lord. Just begin to tell him, Lord, I'm here. I'm opening my heart and my spirit to you. Making myself a vessel, Father, for you to pour into, for you to speak your word right now, God. I pray that each and every person under the sound of my voice, God, would have good ground in their hearts and in their spirits to receive the word from you this morning, God, that each and every person here is not here by coincidence, is not here by circumstance, but you have a divine appointment for them this morning. You have a calling that you have placed on their life and that each person would receive the word that you would use me, God, to be a vessel, Father, for your word to go through and for your spirit to flow through this morning in the name of Jesus Christ. If you're going to preach with me this morning, you can shout by saying amen and take a seat. Amen, but don't sit sit on the word this morning, but you can sit down. Praise God. I was uh, raised in a broken home. I was raised by a single mother. My father, uh, he left when I was about one or two years old, and um, that started a cycle of trauma in my family. It caused uh, problems for my mom's life. It caused problems for my life, uh, but that would just be the beginning of a very interesting life that I would lead and live. Uh, I had other men and friendships and relationships that would abuse their power over me. Um, I experienced loss and heartache, and I basically grew up with anger issues because I got so hurt and bitter at God, hurt and bitter at the world, hurt and bitter at men because I felt misused, I felt abused, I felt neglected, mistreated. And so obviously believing that God is in control, I had a lot of my anger directed towards him. But it was in the story of Joseph that God began to reveal to me his plan and his promise and his purpose for my life. Because when I was very young, I would, uh, I remember uh, hearing Joseph's story in Bible studies and in Sunday school. And there was even a movie that was made uh, expressing the life of Joseph. And I watched that. And I remember God starting to work on me and, and and reveal some things to me, because for those of you that don't know, I'm going to elaborate a little bit on the story of Joseph. As I said, he was loved by his father. He was one of 12 brothers. He was the second to the youngest, so he's one of the babies, but 12 is a lot of a lot of siblings. Does anyone here have siblings? I'm an only child. How many? Raise your hand proud and loud. Yes, you are, you are not an only child. Good for you. How many of you think you're the favorite? Right. How many of you parents don't want to admit that you have a favorite, but you do? Okay, a couple, <laughs> a couple are bold enough to say it. Here's the reality is most families probably have, you know, some favoritism. Most are gonna, not going to admit it. But when it came to Joseph's family, there was no hiding it. Joseph was very much so the favorite. He was treated differently than the rest of his brothers. He was given things that his brothers were not given. There was no question in their father's mind who the favorite son was. And that was Jacob. I mean, sorry, Jacob's son, Joseph. And so uh, what you find is... Uh, 
Joseph is hated by his brothers because of this love and this admiration that his father has for him. And so uh, his brothers end up trying to come up with a plan to get rid of Joseph. They sell him into slavery. I've been mad at people before. I've been mad. I'm sure you siblings, with people with siblings, have been mad at your siblings before. But selling them into slavery is a bit extreme. But they sold him into slavery nonetheless. They faked his death so that his father would believe that something happened to him, but they sold him into slavery. And so Joseph, an innocent young man, gets thrown into slavery, gets taken to Egypt, and becomes a slave working for a man by the name of Potiphar, only for Joseph to become the most successful slave that he could be in that house, which is kind of an oxymoron. It doesn't really make sense. But he was a successful slave, and he's doing these things for Potiphar, also Potiphar's wife could do Joseph wrong, lie about Joseph. Joseph had good character, good, good morality. And he said, I'm not doing this. It's a sin against me. It's a sin against God. I'm not doing this. And his wife, Potiphar's wife, lies and gets Joseph thrown into prison for something that he did not commit. Again, I told you I began to identify with Joseph growing up because I saw Joseph being treated poorly being thrown into prisons, experiencing pain, bondage, circumstances that were not by choices he made. He lived a life of honor. He didn't do anything wrong when he was thrown into prison. He did the right thing, and yet he's getting thrown into prison. And so for me, I would get upset at God. God, why am I experiencing all these bad things? Why am I experiencing, oh, I didn't ask for this. I didn't ask to be raised in this family. I didn't ask to experience this trauma. I didn't do anything to earn this, God. Why am I getting the short end of the stick when I've done nothing but serve you, when I've done nothing but right? Why do I feel forsaken? And it's in this story that we see Joseph reaching a point where God starts to reveal, I'm in control. Because it's in the prison that Joseph, we understand, if you learn more about Joseph's story, he was a dreamer. He had dreams, but not only that, he could interpret dreams. And it's a moment in in prison, Joseph gets to interpret dreams of two men that were arrested because they, one of them stole something from Pharaoh. And he interprets their dreams, and it becomes truth what he says. And word gets back to Pharaoh years later when Pharaoh himself is now having a dream. He goes to all of his magicians, all of his people, and saying, hey, I'm having this dream. What does it mean? It won't leave me alone. And no one can tell him. But word goes around and says, Joseph, there's this guy that's in your prison, Pharaoh, and he can interpret this dream for you. And so they get Joseph, and he goes, and that's where I read the story about what happened. Joseph interprets his dream. Pharaoh is satisfied with the interpretation, and he says, we need a leader. Basically, his dream was there's going to be seven years of plenty. Egypt is going to experience seven years of, of just wonderful overflow, and it's going to be awesome. But then there's going to be seven years of famine. There's going to be seven years when, when your, your, your crops aren't giving you anything. There's no harvest. But if you take care of what you have during the seven years of plenty, those seven years of famine, you'll be able to survive and sustain. And Pharaoh says, I need to put someone in charge over all of this. Who does he pick? Joseph. He puts Joseph in charge. Joseph becomes the second most powerful person in all of Egypt. You see, God allowed Joseph to go through these circumstances to get him to his ultimate plan. God allowed him to get into prison so he could ultimately get onto the platform and lead Egypt through a very hard and difficult time. So for myself growing up, I'd get upset at God. God, you gave me the short end of the stick. God, you gave me this circumstance. God, you, my father loved me. God, you, I grew up, growing up in a church like this, it's awesome because I got to see a lot of amazing families. But the problem was I grew up thinking like I was the black sheep of the youth group. All of them I saw, like there was a few that didn't, but majority of them had both parents in their home. And I'd go home, and I was like, well, I only have my mom. My mom was amazing, but I got frustrated by that, and I got, I got upset at the circumstances, and I felt like God did me wrong. 
But in the story of Joseph, it's revealed that God is always in control. God always has a plan. God is always doing something. There's someone in this place you might have felt like you've had it dealt a bad hand. There's things that have happened to you. There's circumstances that you've experienced. And you're like, God, this isn't right. But I promise you, if you trust God and if you lean on him, lean on his understanding, allow him to guide you, allow him to keep you, there'll come a point in time in which he says, look, this prison wasn't for your suffering. This prison wasn't so you could be beat down and and pushed on the side and abused and neglected. This abuse you experienced, it's so you can help someone else that's been abused. This, This frustration that you're experiencing, it's because I've got something bigger, something greater that you don't understand you don't know right now but if you trust me it will all be revealed in my perfect time i recall a time when i was sharing my testimony with a young man expressing different things that i experienced in life frustrations and problems and like i said neglect and all of that and i was telling him what i was going through and i remember as I began to tell him my story, my testimony, his eyes began to fill with water, and he started to tear up and started to cry. I was like, what's wrong, man? Are you okay? And he's like, yeah, no, it's just you telling me this story. I never thought anyone could relate to me. I never thought anyone could experience experience what I experienced. I thought it was just me. I thought I was alone. But not only that, you going through this gives me hope because I see that you're on the other side. I see that your circumstances didn't define you. I see that your your situations didn't define you. You went beyond that. You went past that. And so my my experience, my testimony began to sow hope into his life. And it was that moment God set off a light bulb in my heart and my spirit telling me that what you went through was to help somebody else. What you experienced was a testament to somebody else. What you've gone through wasn't, wasn't just for yourself, but it was for somebody else. If you look at Joseph's story, Joseph was raised to a platform. He was raised to be the second most powerful man in Egypt. But guess what? It wasn't so he could sit back and just be the king of the world. It was to save Egypt, it was to save other nations, and it was especially to save the promised nation of God, Israel. Joseph's leadership over Egypt brought prosperity throughout the land. Joseph's suffering, Joseph's prisons, Joseph's bondages led him to the salvation of his very nation. I'm here to tell someone today, you're frustrated because of what you've gone through, what you're going through. What you're going through is going to help you in the future. It's going to benefit you. But could it be that what you're going through today is for the salvation of somebody else? Could it be that what you're experiencing right now is to be a testimony to somebody else? Could it be that one day you're going to go, you're going to be on a platform, you're going to be preaching, you're going to be on a, teaching a Bible study, and God's going to say, see, I brought this through your life. I brought you through these circumstances so you could sow faith into somebody else, so you could sow hope into somebody else, so you could bring prosperity and peace to a world around you that's hopeless, that's suffering, that doesn't like what they're going through, that doesn't understand the circumstances. But you know, I serve a God that brought me through, and if he did it for me, then he can do it for you. In the name of Jesus. Jesus name brother Lee Stone King said it this way God does not call the qualified but he qualifies the called what we what we deal with as humans we think what we're going through translates to who we can become we feel that what we're going through the experiences that we're having that devalues us or it gives us value. I mean, look at the society we live in, look at the world. I could buy a brand new car for $40,000. I can't actually. But if I did, 
I could buy it for $40,000 and I drive off the lot. The moment I take it off and it's mine, its value is going to depreciate. Especially if something happens. If I get in an accident, if I scratch the side, if I pour the wrong gas in, if I don't change the oil. The things that I do to it, the things that, that car experiences, it's going to depreciate the value. And there are so many other aspects of life that we experience, that we go through that show us this. What you go through impacts what you're worth. And so we think that what we go through disqualifies us. God, I've, I've been tattered. I've been abused. I've been, where's my, this isn't a youth lesson, but it works all the same. Anybody want a $20 bill? For just someone, someone come here. I need a volunteer. Matthew's first. All right, hold up. All right, you want this? Wait, hard times? <laughs> Business is running slow. No, you're good. Okay, I'd be running up here, bro. It's $20. What are you going to get with the $20? Save it for now. I like that. I like that investment. He said, I'm going to save it. Okay, so you're going to save this. But it's valued at $20. So you want this? All right, hold on. Hold on. I'm going to give it some, some wrinkles. All right, you still want this? Okay. Sorry. You might, you might get it at the end of this. We'll see. Hold on. I'm getting there. All right. You still want this? Are you serious? This, is, this was like crispy. Now it's crunchy. Hold on. Hold on. Let me. Somebody else starting to get it. You still want this? Why? The value is the same. So many of us in life, we go through things. We've been stepped on. We've been neglected. We've been rejected. We've been abused. We've been abandoned. And the world tells us your value is depreciated. God can't use you. You're battered goods. You're used up. You're washed out. But God can't use me. But guess what? I serve a God that looks at you and says, you're still worth it to me. You're still valuable to me. I don't care what you've gone through. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what you feel like. You are worth it to me. I died for you. And you are the same value you were before anything. But like I said, not only does what you've gone through not matter to the calling that God's placed on your life in the sense of it doesn't say you can't do it now, but it qualifies you. Because those are the very things that God said, see, that experience as a child, I'm going to use it for my glory. That problem in your body, I'm going to use it for my glory. That sickness in your heart, I'm going to use it for my glory. That past mistake you made, I'm using it for my glory. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, you're qualified. (laughs) Don't let the enemy tell you anything other than that. You're qualified. God called you. He put a calling on your life. He's got a purpose for you. You're qualified. You grew up in a broken home. You're qualified. Your mom or your dad rejected you and left you. You're qualified. You've got a past with abuse and with neglect. You've been born. You were raised in a domestic a home with domestic violence. You're qualified. You had a past with drugs. You're qualified. You grew up with no money. You're qualified. You got all the money in the world. You're qualified. Because whatever you have, God allowed. Whatever you've been through, God allowed. And if you trust him and lean on him, he will use it for his glory. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, can we pray for a moment? I'm not done. I got a few more things to say, but just for a moment. 
in the name of Jesus. Let faith begin to rise up in this place. Let expectation. I bind the lies of the enemy over these minds, over these hearts that says my past has separated me from the goodness of God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I'm qualified, I'm called, I'm chosen, I'm anointed. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, the Lord is going to start to work on your mind in this place. You're going to start to realize the prisons you've experienced, the problems you've experienced, the hurts you experienced, that's all to get you to the place, to the promise, to the platform that God has called you to. Decisions that I made, qualifications that I have, that's not why I'm up here today. I'm not up here because of my efforts. I'm not holding this microphone because of what I've done or what I've accomplished, what the things that I've done on my own. I am up here because of the grace of God. I am up here because of the love of God. I am up here because of the blood of God. I am up here because of the grace and the mercy of God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Shibala Mando Saye. In the name of Jesus. So, this is all well and good for those of us that maybe feel circumstances around our lives, our past, how we grew up, what we have or don't have. Don't disqualify us from the things of God and this truth. Again, I'm, I'm speaking with the testimony of myself. Let's see, there's another side. There's the side of I can't do these things for God because of what's happened to me. And that's a lie. But there's another side, and this is the side I feel like we, we struggle believing with the most. And that is... I can't do these things or God's can't, I can't, I'm not qualified or God can't call me or God can't make a, a, a promise out of this prison. Or he can't make a purpose out of my life through what I've gone through because of the decisions that I've made. I'm not talking about no longer the things of outside influence where this person did this to me or this person exposed me to that or my circumstances caused this or my environment caused that. But there's another side of it where it's different because these are choices that I made. These are sins that I committed. These are intentions that I have. These are, I, I, I did this thing. I did this wrong. I hurt this person. I looked at this thing. I touched this thing. I did whatever. Fill in the blank. So, so that's a little different because I, I can't do these things because of what I've, I've done. The, it, I, it's different. It's different, Jesus. Joseph, Joseph, Joseph was a good guy. Joseph was a, was a he was a, basically, he was very just. But. I'm different. I've, I've made bad choices. Joseph made good choices. I'm more like one of the brothers. Maybe because I, I didn't throw someone and sell them to slavery. But I did something where I, I, don't, I don't deserve this, this love, this forgiveness, this, this calling, this, this, this platform, this promise, this opportunity because of what I've done. But I'm here to tell you today that also is a lie. There's a story in the Bible in, uh, during the narration of Jesus' experiences. It's found in all four of the Gospels. 
And uh, it's talking about, it's right at the point he's now arrested and he's going before Pilate. And he's basically, everyone's telling Pilate he needs to be crucified, he needs to be killed, he needs to be taken in because he's done all of these wrong things. Now, Pilate, Pilate feels a little differently. Pilate looks at it and says, uh, this man hasn't done anything wrong. I think he's innocent. And so Pilate's kind of torn because he doesn't want to put an innocent man to death. He doesn't want to put an innocent man in prison. So he's a little confused. Do I please the people or do I do what I feel is right? But he thinks he outsmarts them. He says, you know what? I know what I can do. I'll make them choose. I'm going to make the choice so easy. They'll have no choice but to let Jesus go. Because during the Passover, they had a tradition where he would let uh, someone from prison out, let them go. And so he says, I'm going to get Barabbas. If you don't know anything about Barabbas, Barabbas was not a good man. Barabbas was a murderer, a zealot, a thief, a thug, a tyrant. He, he was just, he was crazy. And he was in prison because of things that he committed, things that he did, wrongs that he did. He was arrested for them, rightfully so. And Pilate decides, I'm going to give them a choice. Jesus, who's basically innocent, or Barabbas, who's already been just accused of everything, and we know he's guilty. And he thinks this will be easy. They're going to pick Jesus. I got him. I got him figured out. So he gives them the choice. In Matthew chapter 27, starting in verse 21, it says, The governor answered and said unto them, Whether of the twain will ye that I release unto you? They said, Barabbas, who do you want? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate saith unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? They all say unto him, Let him be crucified. And the governor said, Why, what evil hath he done? But they cried out the more, saying, Let him be crucified. Pilate gives them a choice. He thinks it's pretty easy, self-explanatory. They don't want Barabbas. Their homes are threatened if Barabbas is on the streets. Their kids' lives are in jeopardy if Barabbas is on the street. They'll want Jesus. But they said, No, give us Barabbas. In fact, if I could say it this way, they start chanting, we want his blood for Barabbas. We, want, we don't like Jesus so much, we're going to take his blood and let Barabbas go free. We want him on the cross. We want him to suffer. We want him to go through all this so badly, we're going to take this man that we know is guilty. I remember the first time I started studying this story out specifically on Barabbas and I it was, it was years ago and I became very angry with Barabbas I was just I was a little frustrated I was like all right Lord I'm not gonna lie this part I don't really understand first of all we didn't need this exchange here like we could have just let you go to the cross but also you know because I think I know so much when it comes to like talking to God right but anyway that was a joke it's okay to laugh um but anyway I'm, I'm frustrated I'm like God why why Barabbas why not one of the innocents? Why not a Joseph? You know, I'm sure there was someone in that prison, God, that they didn't do the wrong that they were in there for. Why not one of the, the better guys, you know? Why not use them? Why not, why not let them be set free? Why Barabbas? And I became so frustrated because Barabbas was a horrible man. And that's who those people chose over my Savior was Barabbas? But then I read it again. Again, that same, that same phrase in my mind. We want blood for Barabbas. And Jesus is standing there quiet. He could have said anything. He could have set himself free. He could have did whatever he wanted. He's God robed in flesh. But he's standing there, and I could just see him 
just talking to God and just saying, no, Father, they don't understand. Because it's my blood for Barabbas. It's not blood for Barabbas, blood for Barabbas. Give us his blood and set Barabbas free. But it's Jesus saying, no, 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 you don't understand. It's my blood for Barabbas. I'm dying for Barabbas. I'm paying the price so that a man like Barabbas could go free. So that a man like Barabbas could have a second chance. So that a man like Barabbas could be set apart from his sin. My blood is for Barabbas. And so I'm talking to the Lord and he's showing me, you know, how he says that he's the physician and the physician's not here for those that don't need a physician, but he's here for the ones that are sick. And he's not there here for the ones that are righteous, but he's here for the ones that are sinners and need to repent. That's why he's here. And so, again, I'm just this whole story of Barabbas is me and him are going back and forth. and I'm confused. And I look at Barabbas's name and it translates son of a father. It's literally bar. Abbas. And that word Abba, you're all familiar with it. Abba, Father. And if you look at the translations of that Greek word Abba, the times that it's used, it's referred as a way of talking about our Heavenly Father. But not only that, most of the times you see it in a verse, in fact, I'm going to read one, it's, re- it's showing the, almost a born-again experience and what you get to call him now because you're one of his own. Galatians chapter 4, verse 3, and I'm finishing up. Even so, we... When we were children, were in bondage, bondage, under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, Barabbas, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. So you're sitting here telling me, well, I've done things wrong, Jalen. I've messed up. I did this. I will. Yes, so did Barabbas. And Barabbas was the man whose name literally meant son of a father. And that word Abba is talking about that father. So if God was able to rope himself in flesh and say, I'm doing a divine exchange for someone like Barabbas, he's willing to do that exchange for someone like me. He's willing to do that exchange for someone like you. Why don't you look at this story and say, Barabbas is me. I'm the per- it's not what I've done. It's not what I haven't done. I'm not qualified for this, but it's the blood of Jesus that was shed for me on Calvary that gives me an opportunity to be called, that gives me an opportunity to separate myself from my life, my past, my mistakes, my sin. It's the blood of Jesus. If you keep reading... The story, Matthew 27, I think I stopped at like verse 23. You pick up at verse 24, the, the narration continues. When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing but that rather a tumult was made, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See ye to it. Before, before we go to this next verse, if only... The Pharisees and the Israelites and the Jews, if only they knew what they were saying in this next verse. You can put the next verse on the screen. Then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and on our children. 
They didn't even know what they were saying. They didn't even know what they were doing. Like I said, they're saying, give us blood. Give us his blood for Barabbas. We don't care. Let his blood be on us. And Jesus is like, you don't understand. That's why I'm here. I'm here so that my blood can cover you from your past, from your mistakes, from your failures. That's why I'm here. It's for my blood to be shed so that you could be set apart from your mistakes, from your failures, from your past. That's why I'm here. They had no idea what they were saying, but Jesus knew. He says, oh, my blood will be on you, and it will be on your children. Because that's the price that I'm willing to pay because of the love that I have for you. God, why Barabbas? Why, why someone that doesn't deserve it? Why someone that should just, just be declared innocent already? Because that's not why I'm here. The righteous, they're, they're righteous. Why am I here for them? I'm here for the sinners that they could repent. I'm here for the broken that they could be made whole. I'm here for the lonely. They could find love in me and my family. I told you I came from a, 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 a broken home. There was a lot of different, different experiences and trauma and all that. And for the sake of time, I'm not going to go into all of it. I, you want to know more my testimony? I'll happily talk to you after service. I'm an open book. But what's amazing is my mom, she uh, found herself uh, coming to this church for a little bit, and she wasn't too sure about the whole Jesus thing. And she's told this testimony before, so I, I know she doesn't mind me sharing it. She's probably watching it anyway. But she reached a point where she was at the, at the lowest of lows. She had tried everything. She, she had been through a broken home. She was like, maybe, maybe, maybe uh, more family will, will take care of this. Maybe I can find the right relationship. Maybe I could try this, and this will work. Maybe I can try that, and that will work. And so she is in a relationship with my father, and she's like, maybe this is enough. But it wasn't enough. And then she finds herself having a son, naming him Jalen. He turned out pretty cool. And she says, and she and she and she's like, this is this is enough. This is gonna be, this is it. This is what I need. I need to the I need to be able to be a mom. I need to be able to ha- have someone that I could pour my love into and someone that could love me back. Well, it's interesting because she finds herself a year later or so after I was born. Actually, I might have still been an infant, but I was already born. And she finds herself, she and my father are basically breaking up, and she's she's broken, she's lost, and she's hurt. And she's just, she doesn't know if God's really real for herself. She's been coming to the church, but she's like, I don't know. I just, uh, my friend, she's kind of crazy, and I love her, but I don't know about this Jesus stuff. And she finds herself with a gun in her hand. It was a, a Saturday evening, because I know cause she went to church the next day, but it's a Saturday evening, and she's, in the house and I'm asleep in the crib she's got a gun in her hand she says I'm ready to end it all this isn't this isn't worth it I thought my son was going to be enough but even he's not enough because I still feel empty it wasn't there was something wrong with me but it was just there was something that she was trying to fill that there was only one individual that can change and fill that and so she's talking to this God that she doesn't even really know for herself she's saying God I, I know I, some, someone's up there someone's out there but God, I need to know for myself that you're real. If I don't know that for myself, I'm done. I'm out of here. I'm checking out because this is, I can't do this anymore. And she says, as soon as she's at the point where she's about to call it quits and pull the trigger, she says, I start crying from my crib out of nowhere. And it was enough for her to go like this, look away to see, look at the room that I was at. And she says, when she went to look back at the gun, the gun was out of her hand and on the table across from her. But not just that. She says, okay, God, I'm going to give you one more chance. I'm going to church tomorrow. And if you don't reveal yourself to me there, then I'm, I'm done. This is all, this isn't, this isn't real. This isn't, I'm, I'm done playing this game. 
and she goes to church, and the man of God, the moment she's there, she's, she, just, she just gets there. The man of God on the platform <clears throat> sees her, walks up to her, and tells her, last night you had a gun in your hand, and you were ready to pull the trigger. You, you have a son, you love your son, but this world has just done you wrong so bad, you're, you're done. And he began to tell her everything that she said to God the night before, everything that she was going through the night before. And in that moment, God saw it important enough to find this woman where she was at and say, I, I'm here for you. I died for you. I love you. You don't have to, but God, I've got, but, but I love you. And he found her where she was at, and from that moment on, she never had to deal with that suicidal thoughts again and the issues with what she was doing and feeling like she was alone and feeling like there was because God began to reveal himself to her, and then she re realized what the blood of Jesus paid for, for her. And then she raised a son who could then come here and be a part of this and grow in this faith and have his own trauma and have his own issues and have his own problems, but still also realize that there is a truth to all of this. I might have a past that I don't like. I got circumstances. If I could have changed them, I'd have changed them so many times. But I trusted him enough to say, God, if you can get me through it, I don't like it. I don't understand. I don't know why I have to be the one without a father. I don't know why I have to be the one that was physically abused by, by peers, by people that I should have been able to trust. I don't know why I have to be neglected by that individual, rejected by that person. I don't know why, God. I don't, I don't know. But he says, but I love you. And if you can just trust me, this is out of love. You might not like it, but trust me. There's a plan. There's a purpose. It might not, it might not feel, no one wants to be in prison. No one wants to be in shackles. No one wants to be in chains. No one wants to be bound. So when we're going through it, we're locked up. It's hard to move. It's uncomfortable. There might be times when you're in a pit that you didn't ask to be in. There might be times that you're thrown into a prison for something that you didn't commit. You're burdened down by things that aren't your fault. But there are also going to be times when you're, your mind's battling because of what you have gone through, because of what you did do, because of the decision you did make. But there was a love of God that was so great, so wide, so strong, that he said, I'm going to send myself down, robed in flesh, die on a cross, experience all of the pain, all of the torture, let my blood pour out of my side so that you could be set free. That's a greater love than I have to offer. But he loved me that much to do it for me. He loves you that much to do it for you. And I'm here to tell you today that the love of God is here, that the blood of Jesus was poured out. And if that you would open up yourself and allow him to just begin to pour himself into you, he can release your, relieve you from your mind. He can renew your heart, renew your spirit. The past mistakes that you've got, they don't have to be, be your qualifiers anymore. I'm done. If you want to pray, there's already some people praying. If you want to come down front, you can do that too. If you want to stay in your seat. But the love of God was already in here, and it's here again. The blood of Jesus was poured out for you, for your family, for your neighbors, for your friends. But we disqualify ourselves because of what we've been through, what we've gone through, the conditions of our past, the conditions of our life. And God's saying, no, you don't understand. I've called you. I've qualified you. Those things that you've gone through, they're making you into who I've called you to be. And I'm going to use those things so that you can go to places you've never even imagined, so that my glory can go forth, so that my plan can be established. In the name of Jesus, right now, God, I take authority and dominion over every lie from the enemy 
that says my past disqualifies me, that says my circumstances don't make me be able to be used by God, that my, my mistakes that I've made or the things that others have done disqualify me and pull me out of being covered by his blood. You don't understand. He knew what you were going to go through. He knew the mistakes you were going to make. He knew the experiences you were going to have. There's someone in this place right now. I don't know who you are, but you are, you've limited what God can do in you and through you because of the mistakes. Sorry, not the mistakes, because of what you experienced in a home that you were a part of. It wasn't something that you did wrong. It was just the people in your life and what they did. This isn't everywhere. This is, I don't know who this is for, but I feel it so strongly. You have written yourself off and said, ah, this isn't, I can't, I can only, God can, he loves me and I feel it and I believe it, but, but there's only so much he can do. And God's saying, no, you don't understand. I know it was hard. I know it hurt, but there was a plan behind it. There was a purpose behind it. And if you would come and open up your heart, open up your spirit to me, let me pour my love out on you. Let me pour my blood over you. Let me cover you. Let me renew your mind, renew your heart, renew your spirit. There is a place for you in my house. There's a place for you at my table. Chains.
disconnect right now. The Spirit of God is moving all throughout this place. His Holy Ghost is pouring out miracles. The blood goes just beyond redeeming you from your past. The Word of God says, by His stripes, I am healed. That means that we are restored and we are healed not only in our mind, not only in our heart by the blood, but in our bodies by the blood. God is able to renew and restore you from the top of your head down to the soles of your feet from the blood that was poured out on Calvary. In the name of Jesus, I don't know what you have need of this morning, but the blood is the answer. The blood of Jesus is the answer. The blood of Jesus is the answer. I plead the blood over every mind. I plead the blood over every heart. I plead the blood over every spirit. I plead the blood over every body. In the name of Jesus Christ. 